For our message, we're going to be in the book of Judges. The book of Judges, chapter 16. Now, some of you might be familiar with some of the story that I'm going to tell you, and some might not be, so we will give you some background as we're turning to the book of Judges. It's Joshua Judges. Joshua Judges, and again, chapter 16. There's a couple terms that we're going to run into as we uh, read from this passage that I want to highlight for you. And one of them, if you wanted the reference to it, it would be, don't turn to the, what I'm about to tell you, I'm just giving you the reference to look up. There's going to be a term called a Nazarite. A Nazarite. So when we read in Judges 16, we're going to run across a term called a Nazarite. This is not a Nazarene. That's, that's different. It's a Nazarite. And in Numbers chapter 13, 1 through 5, you'd find the definition. It's basically someone that takes a vow that says they're not going to basically be involved in strong drink and they're not going to cut their hair. They're going to be dedicated to God for a period of time. And then that, that period of time that they're dedicated to God, it could be, it doesn't tell us in Scripture, but uh, one of the commentaries I looked at said it might be a 30-day, a 60-day, it might be a year, when they're this dedicated to God and they didn't cut their hair. Just let it go. Now, there were a few that, that, that I, uh, again, in that same commentary that I was looking at, we have Samuel, we have John the Baptist, and here we have Samson that were Nazarites for life. So if you imagine that part of the sign of this vow they have taken to be dedicated and set apart for God as being a Nazarite would mean that their hair would just grow. So you can imagine if they were a Nazarite for life, how long their hair might be. It might be pretty long. Even longer than somebody that we know from the congregation. I just won't say the name. But, but the, their hair would be rather long. Now, in number six, you might also find something as interesting that after they're done with that, being a Nazarite in their period, that hair becomes part of an offering when it is burnt and given as different kinds of, I think it's a wave offering and things like that. But this is what a Nazarite is. So this will come and make, and some of you are probably ahead of me already if you know about Samson and his hair. But this is why he had the hair that he did. So now let's jump into the story and we're going to read Judges chapter 16 verses 1 through 22 and then we'll continue on. From there, now just before this time period, Samson had killed a thousand Philistines. So the Philistines were not happy with Samson. Philistines were another group of people. They weren't happy with Samson at this point. So then this lays into the story. We're setting up the drama. If you're watching some TV show and say, prior to this time, in some movie, we'd have a flashback. But here we go. Chapter 16 of Judges, verse 1. Now Samson went to Gaza and saw a harlot there. And went into her. When the uh, Gazazites were told, Samson has come here, they surrounded the place and lay in wait for him in the city gate of the city. And I might have the wrong... Oh, there, okay. Let me keep going. Now Samson went to Gaza, verse 1, and saw a harlot there and went into her. When the Gazazites were told, Samson has come here, they surrounded the place and lay in wait for him all night in the gate of the city. They were quiet all night, saying, In the morning, 
when it is day, we shall kill him. And Samson lay low till midnight. Then he arose at midnight, took hold of the doors of the gate of the city, and the two gateposts pulled them up, bar and all, put them on his shoulder, and carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. Samson was a very strong man. He pulled up the entire door and everything and carried them out. Afterward, it happened that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. Yes, this is the story of Samson and Delilah. And the lords of Philistines came up to her and said to her, Entice him and find out where his great strength lies, and but what, by what means we may overpower him, that we might bind him to afflict him, and every one of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, Please tell me where your great strength lies, and with what you may be bound to afflict you. And Samson said to her, If they bind me with seven fresh bowstrings, not yet dried, then I shall become weak and be like other men, other man, any other man, sorry. So the lords of Philistines brought up to her seven fresh bowstrings, not yet dried, and she bound him with them. Now, now men were lying in wait, staying with her in the room, and she said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he broke the bowstrings as a strand of yarn breaks when it touches fire, so that the secret of his strength was not known. But she persisted. Verse 10, Then Delilah said to Samson, Look, you have mocked me and told me lies. Now please tell me what you may be bound with. So he said to her, If they bind me securely with new ropes that have never been used, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. Therefore Delilah took new ropes and bound him with them and said to them, The Philistines are upon you, and men were lying in wait, staying in the room. But he broke them all his arms like a thread. He broke them off all his arms like a thread. There seems to be a pattern happening here. She's persistent, and he must be, be dense. I don't know what this problem is. Delilah said to Samson, Until now you have mocked me and told me lies. Tell me what you may be bound with. And he said to her, if you weave the seven locks of my head into the web of the loom, so she wove it tightly with the batten of the loom and said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he woke from his sleep and pulled out the batten and the web from the loom. Then she said to him, How can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You have mocked me these three times and have not told me where your great strength lies. And it came to pass... When she pestered him daily with her words and pressed him so that his soul was vexed to death, that he told her all his heart and said to her, No razor has ever come upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb, even if I am shaven. Excuse me. If I am shaven, then my strength will leave me, and I will become weak and be like any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up once more, for he has told me all his heart. So the lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought the money in their hand. And she lulled him to sleep on her knees and called for a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. Then she began to torment. She began to torment him, and his strength left him. She said, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. 
So he woke from his sleep and said, I will go out as before as other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. Then the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza. They bound him with bronze fetters and he became a grinder in the prison. However, the hair of his head began to grow again after he had been shaven. May the Lord bless his, the reading of his word. There's more to the story, and we'll come to that in just a few minutes. So we have Samson and Delilah. And you see back up in verse 4, Samson is instructed to try to figure out how to defeat Delilah. How to defeat Delilah. The Philistines want him. They're going to pay money. So Delilah's basically to entice him, and you, you know what that means. She's tried to get him to, to tell her what the source of strength is, what they can bind him with. And you'll notice in the passage of Scripture that multiple times she asked. The first time she asked, what's the source of your strength? What can bind you? And he answers her. And then the subsequent times he asked her, he, she asked him, what can bind you? And he makes up something else. And each time, she surprises him, and he breaks free, or the weirdest one is where she weaves his hair into the, the loom, the weaver's loom. I'm thinking, this man must really sleep sound, or he's just letting it happen, because... How did, I'm thinking into the weaver's loom. I don't know how big this loom was. Did she drag him to the loom or drag the loom to him? Or, and all that's going on, he, did he just stay asleep for all this or did he actually let it to happen? Let it happen. So finally then she says, you've mocked me. He's, she's acting, asking this three times, multiple times. And finally he gets tired of her pestering him. And he says, I'm a Nazarite. I don't know if Delilah know, knew what it was to be a Nazarite. A Nazarite, he's supposed to be dedicated to God. He's made some interesting choices, but he's taken this vow and God gives him great strength. He says, you know, if you cut my hair, then I'll lose my strength. Now, did he not think after three times, did he not think she was going to try to figure out a way to cut his hair? But you see in the scripture that he had determined, when he got up, he says, I'll just go out like before. I will keep my strength, and it'll be fine. It would seem that maybe he forgot where his strength came from. It would seem that he, on the measure of his vow to God and his devotion to this woman that he wasn't even married to, that his vow to God had dropped in, his, in importance. 
that God being in the forefront as being dedicated had moved out of first place. So now that this woman was of more priority, this woman being happy, it was more important to him than God being happy. It's an interesting thought, isn't it? It's, where is that balance of obedience to God versus clearly God it should be in first place? But he had played this game. He had made himself vulnerable on many occasions. First, you know, they weren't supposed to be consorting with those that weren't Israelites. Basically, he's like that scripture, to be not unequally yoked with unbelievers. She might not have understood the Nazarite, but she was trying to manipulate him, and I... The caution goes out. He wanted that, her approval, to a point. And when someone says, well, if you loved me, you would, right? Those are dangerous words. If you love me, you must not love me. Because you won't tell me my, your secrets on how to weaken you. I want to know, I want to know how to weaken you. Isn't that what she's saying? I want to know how to weaken you. And if you loved me, you would tell me how to weaken you. If you want, loved me, you'd tell me how to make you vulnerable. If you loved me, now this is what's interesting. Each time, what has she explained and tried? The Philistines are upon you. Every time, the same thing. Could he not see that her goal was to make him vulnerable? Samson was a very strong man. Now, in general, men are stronger than women. I'm not even going to debate that. It's a waste of time. Men are stronger than women. It just is. But women are a little more aware and skillful in the area of emotions. And they will play that game. Not that guys can't play games, but they, will play, they can play that game. And you might be familiar with the saying that a man's self-confidence is based off of what the most important woman in his life thinks of him. And before you think, well, yeah, that's like with the women and the girlfriends, and the, it's about moms too. Your sons will determine their self-worth based on what their mothers think of them. If their mothers are always knocking them down, that lowers their self-worth. Mothers are encouraging them, that strengthens their self-worth. Same happens in a marriage. Guys, we talk about guys having so much ego, but you might be surprised to know that 
the woman can undermine him. And sometimes the things that he's bragging about is because he lacks self-confidence. And sometimes a woman has a lot of power over this strong man because she's more skillful emotionally. And so it's a cautionary tale to those that might be listening at some point regarding who you choose to be a wife. Is she looking to build you up or trying to find out where you're weak? So that she can control and elevate herself and her own pride. It's not just men that can be arrogant. It's women as well. And here, Samson allowed himself to be vulnerable. Samson allowed this desire to not be pestered. Samson allowed his desire for whatever other things, and you can figure it out, that she was providing him and the attention she was given, that he allowed himself to be enticed and he allowed himself to get go. Closer and closer. The signs were there that she was trying to undermine him and trying to cause him issues, but he, he just kind of ignored that. He was being manipulated. He was being nip, manipulated to, to weaken him. And he, and he had lost the focus that he thought the strength that he had and the capability that he had was his. Or he didn't... didn't realize it at the time because it said in the scripture that we read that he did not know that the Lord had left him but see he should have known that when he violated the vow that there would be consequences that he violated he knew that when his hair was cut that he would lose his strength. But somehow, he told her that. But somehow, he still went forward with it. And he thought he could overpower him, but they took him. And what did they do? They gouged his eyes out. They plucked his eyes out. He was totally blind. So in your choice of women... To the young men, be careful who you choose. And if you're either the mother or the child, the, the, the boys you don't want to, men don't want to go find a woman that's going to constantly run you down. That doesn't make any sense. See the signs. And mothers, you want to develop these boys that are self-confident enough and to build them up, and you want them to be looking for someone like you if you do that. Don't make them dependent on you. So here we have Samson. Samson has moved... God out of first place. Isn't that a danger? That for our relational desires, for our maybe 
physical desires, maybe for whatever we have or we want things to stop, that we're going to move God out of first place. And we think that we can go it alone. And we, we, take, we take the control and say, I've handled it before, I'll handle it just like I did the last time. I'll handle it just like I did the last time. And she said, verse 20, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as before as other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. He didn't realize the blessings the Lord had been providing. Look at your life and look at the blessings that you have. Don't forget what God has provided. Don't move him out of first place to avoid the difficulty, to avoid the pestering. And if we continue on, we'll find the next part of the story. We turn to the same chapter, chapter 16, verse 23. See, when we, well, we'll see what happens. Verse 23, Now the lords of the Philistines gathered together to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their God, and to rejoice. And they said, Our God has delivered into our hands Samson, at our, at our enemy. We'll come back here in just a second, but the glory went to this false god when Samson moved God out of first place. Verse 24, When the people saw him, they praised their God, for they said, Our God has delivered into our hands our enemy, this destroyer of our land, and the one who multiplied our dead. So it happened when their hearts were married that they said, Call for Samson, that he may perform for us. So they called for Samson from the prison, and he performed for them. And they stationed him between the pillars. Then Samson said to the lad who held him by the hand, Let me feel the pillars which support the temple so that I can lean on them. Samson's now blind. Now the temple was full of men and women. All the lords of the Philistines were there. About 3,000 men and women on the roof watching while Samson performed. Then Samson called to the Lord saying, O Lord God, Remember me, I pray. Strengthen me, I pray, just this once, O God, that I may, with one blow, take vengeance on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two metal pillars which supported the temple, and braced himself against them, one on the right side and the other on his left. Then Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And he pushed with all his might, and the temple fell on the Lord's and all the people who were in it. So the dead that he killed... and at his death were more than he had killed in his life. And his brothers and all his father's household came down and took him and brought him up and buried him between Zorah and Estol in the tomb of his father Manoah. He had judged Israel 20 years. See, when you went back to verse 22, it says, however, the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaven. His hair started growing again, but it wasn't the hair. I don't think it was the hair. Because what does it say? He performed, 
He must have had some strength back. I don't know if they were pointing strength to feet or the fact that he was tripping around without any eyes. Led by a little boy. This great man of strength was now led by a little boy. But it says, O Lord God, remember me, I pray. Strengthen me. I pray just this once. The source of his strength was God. The source of his strength was in his prayer, his hair, and the length of his hair. The source of his strength wasn't this ritual that he was following of not cutting his hair. The source of our strength, the source of our religiosity, the source of salvation is not the processes that we follow. It's not the activity and the motions that we go through. The source of our strength is God. We have to be careful that we don't take the we think it's the actions that we're doing, or the hair cutting was disobedience to God. It wasn't the hair. The activities that we go through are in obedience to God, and then God provides the power. There's not power in the activities. Because we tie ourselves to the activities, and we think if we do these activities that that puts us in a right place with God. He broke a vow, he disobeyed God. If we stay in a right relationship with God through obedience, God's our source of strength. When we disobey God, we sever. When God moves out of first place, it causes a problem. He lost his strength because he broke the vow, not because his hair was cut. But... Cutting his hair broke the vow. I know it sounds circular, but you get the point. It was his disobedience. God was the source of his strength. So in this passage of Samson and Delilah, we have this romantic passage, so to speak, that she was there and he was there and he was happy, but she wasn't satisfied because it wasn't true. She was just trying to manipulate him. She didn't like him for his strength. She liked him for what she could get out of him. And what she could get out of him was some coin and some money. And she was looking to weaken him for her own gain. Doesn't sound like the best marriage. Well, it wasn't even a marriage. It's not the best relationship when the goal of the woman is to try to weaken him so that she feels stronger or she gets what she wants. She wanted to take advantage and he let himself be taken advantage of. He couldn't figure it out. She repeated it three times. She had the pattern. He should have broke it off. No, he just kept on, kept it on until finally she wore him down. She outplayed him emotionally. And she gave and he gave in. We don't want to move God out of first place. We don't want to sacrifice our relationship with God for relationship with people or even a spouse. And there's consequences. 
there's consequences. He lost his eyes, he lost his sight, he became dependent on other people. But God was stable, still able to use him, but not maybe in the same way that he did before. But he remembered, he remembered that God was a source of his strength. So there's little tidbits, little truths, speckled throughout this sermon, throughout this message. You might not know the story of Samson or Samson and Delilah. But the cautionary tale is to be careful. On the one side, it gives us direction, maybe to the ladies on the other side. But overall, the big thing is to remember that God is our source of strength. It's not us. It's not the motions that we go through. And when God leaves us, when God leaves us, we're vulnerable. So let's stay true to God. Let's stay close to God. Let's be careful what relationships we get in. Watch for people trying to manipulate. Don't be the one manipulating. Don't sacrifice relationship with God, relationships with other people, and remember to keep God's first. Let's be standing together. Father God, I pray that you would impress this on your people, that we might be encouraged to stay close and true to you. Father, for some, maybe they've asked you to forgive them of their sins, but and they're attempting to live a life for you, but Lord, you're not first in their life. They've got other things that are first. We know you want us to put you first. For if you're not Lord of all, you're not Lord at all. Help us to love you with all. I pray to Lord that those that are in difficult relationships, that you would help them. Father, to keep you first to watch out for things that would draw them away from you and you give them the strength to stay true to you. To those that are maintaining relationships, help them to see the cautionary tales that they might always be looking out for the other to make them stronger, not try to look for places to make them weak. For those that might be searching for relationships, they'd be careful who they get involved with, that you would open their eyes to see what's going on. Help us to not be dense in our relationships. And Father, that you would help each one of us to not get so caught up in the actions of religion that we forget that you're the true source of power and it's all about a relationship with you. Be with us, we pray. We thank you for your blessings. In Jesus' name, amen.